Hey everyone, and welcome to episode 222 of Final Fantasy Union. I'm your host, Daryl, and I'm here with Lauren. Hi, guys. How are you doing today, Lauren? We're okay. Just, yeah, you know, carrying on. We've had a new scheduling system this week to try mm. and help us manage things. It's been interesting. Yeah, although today I kind of was like, I need sleep. <laughs> Yeah, today was well was a bit of a rough one, but hopefully next week we can try again. Well, next week being tomorrow, because let's be real, there's no weekends anymore. Nothing anymore. No. And also we can mention days, but really when you listen to this, everything's blending into one at this point. It really is. So yeah, that's uh, that's how things are going. <laughs> Good job, Lauren. I'm doing like so many arts and crafts and stuff and having to think that way is um is a challenge. But you are incorporating things and this is the good thing. Mm. So Ali has been doing lots of drawing tutorials. Mm-hmm. She drew Sonic the Hedgehog the other day. We should get her a cloud mm. drawing tutorial. She does like cloud yeah, a lot. Yeah, she loves cloud so much and Aerith. Um, when we go online and there's like a pop-up of uh, a song or something and has like any of their pictures on it, she's instantly like, oh, Aerith, play that. So we were watching somebody play through, uh, play on piano the other day, um, playing Aerith's theme. And yeah, um, but other than that, like today I was going to do this activity where you cut out pick you cut out like a little collage of animal prints and you're supposed to stick it on the animal well we got as far as the cutting bit and then we got a knock on the door and she got a new paw patrol toy through the door so that ended that essentially today Crocs and that's only go so far that's where we've been today yeah. <laughs> but yeah yeah it's been all right yeah it's been all right and actually we still carried on playing the seven remake since the last episode. Lauren's got quite far with it now, and it's interesting to see how everyone's still talking about the seven remake, despite the fact that Square Enix hasn't really done that much to try and fan those flames. It just shows you how, I guess, polarizing the ending was. Yeah, it's really interesting. Um, I'm really enjoying it, uh, seeing it this side now, and. It's just weird that I'm close to the end now. It just feels like such a weird amalgamation of a game because like I know it's going to end, but I also know it's not really the ending and I'm just kind of like, well, it doesn't feel like the end, but I know it's the end of this time. But like when when are we going to see it again? It's really hard. We don't know. That's the answer. We oh, don't know. But But the most exciting thing though is that we have ordered a Nintendo Switch, and I'm really excited because I'm going to finally play Animal Crossing for the first time ever. I didn't get to play the original, and and now I get I get to play, and I have friends who who can join me. I'm really excited. Yeah, we, fa- we managed to get one despite all of the shortages. Oh my gosh, yeah. Yeah, just saw it, and I was just like, let's get it. And we did. We got it. And that is the story. Oh, I'm so excited. It's an amazing story. <laughs> yeah. Today, though, we're not going to be talking about Nintendo Switch anymore. Oh. No more. No. Because we're going to be taking a load of questions from the community. Hmm. Wide-ranging questions, but most of them seem to relate to the 7 Remake, which hmm. is, I guess, to, ex- to be expected. It's uh, still, as I said, it's, it's still very much on the... It's the, it's the only thing that's going on with Square Enix right now, really. I know. It is really weird. Like, somebody actually posted on, I think it was uh, twit, uh, Twitter, saying how it's it's the first time in a long time that we haven't had any Final Fantasies on the horizon. Like, we don't have an expansion that's been announced for... Crystal Chronicles Remaster. Yeah, it's true. That's the only thing, isn't it? Um... Yeah, like Final Fantasy 16, we know nothing about. Final Fantasy 7 Remake Part 2 is like kind of happen at some point, but it's like there's nothing that we know of coming out next year, really. It's the same for Square Enix in general, really. Mm. We know that they've got the Avengers coming out towards the end of this year. There oh, is yeah, we still have that, don't Outriders we? Outriders and Babylon's Fall at some point. 
but outside of that, it's it's very limited their mm-hmm. roadmap. I'm sure we'll hear something in the next couple of months though, because they are going to be doing something mm-hmm. as part of the Summer Games Fest. Yeah, they're not doing their digital showcase this year though. They've decided to not do that, despite <laughs> the fact they said they were going to, and they're going to be doing individual game announcements now. So who knows what that means? <laughs> Only Square knows what that means. But yeah, so we've got tons of questions from the community this episode. But before we dive into those questions, we are going to do our Patreon shoutouts. And we're going to kick things off with Chris Morales. Michael Graham. Barry Norton at Nortron Zero. Theron Bullen at Massacre 23. Fires Bilal. Louis James. Zach Duranto. Rachel Casterton at Urba Yunray. Zelda Clone at Apes Type Novels. Darren Matthews at Doomster73. Joseph Robertson at Pokemon Trainer J. Ryzen. Alex and Rachel Troutman at Akira Namejin. Billy Jackson at underscore Billy Jackson. Miles Ribbons. Chris Pope at Dr. Pop 181. Freya Stella. Flip Sudness. Tom Hughes at Tom underscore Hughes 22. Yam Potato. Noah Latrell. Mitch Elliott. And Sam Ennis. Thank you, guys. And thank you also to Barudin for supporting both the podcast and the YouTube channel on Patreon. Oh, thank you so much. So all of these questions are from our Discord server. Thank you all so much for submitting questions. It's been great to see how much activities there's been since the 7 Remake came out. And uh, as I said, some of these questions, or well, most of these questions are about the 7 Remake. But first, we have a question from Jericho, the Black Raven Knight. He wants to know about Crystal Chronicles Remaster. And they just asked, what do you know about the Crystal Chronicles Remaster? Is there any news on a release date yet? And the answer Nothing. is no. <laughs> They have not said anything further than what they said back at the start of the year. I believe it was when they delayed it other than summer. I don't know if it's still in the pipeline for summer and Square Enix is, uh, they're in a difficult situation right now. They just published their recent fiscal report and they didn't want to make any short-term projections for next year. They've basically said that the, uh, the COVID situation has led them to have a lot of problems with the production pipeline because they outsource a lot of their work right now. And of course, they're outsourcing it to countries that are heavily impacted by what's going on. Crystal Chronicles Remaster is very much an outsourced project. I don't think anyone is working on that within Japan studios. Mm. So uh, whether or not that's been affected more, it's difficult to say. But no, there's no release date at the moment beyond summer. And I don't know if we'll hear anything about that anytime soon because they've just announced uh, the big one was that Crystal Kingdom Hearts Dark Road, which is the new mobile game, which was supposed to be launching, I think, like now has been postponed and they're not going to be well they're going to be providing an update on when it may release in june i think Mm. and they yeah they said that just everything's been too difficult to finish it off and make sure they can release it the way they want to so yeah yeah, upcoming releases right now is a it's kind of a sore (laughs) subject for square enix and it, it it's weird because it doesn't seem to be affecting other publishers as much as it does Mm. them like you, I haven't heard of Ubisoft, Activision, EA, or any of those companies talking about postponing games, but it could also be that the bulk of their development work happens within the United States, and they, while they do have studios around the world that they'll be outsourcing to or are part of their network, maybe they're not as reliant on them. I I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's it's hard it's hard to tell, really, isn't it? Um, although there is something saying that, uh, Ubisoft may delay one of its five AAA games. Yeah. One of its five AAA games. (laughs) One of them. Um, that's the AAA games as well. Like they've probably got a load of other kind of second, third tier games that are potentially coming out too. Yeah. It's just, it, it's just strange, but yeah, maybe the, maybe things are a bit more strict. I don't know. Um, but Either way, it is a shame. Um, I really was looking forward to Crystal Chronicles. It's going to come at some point. I know. We just need to, yeah, we just need to ride the storm and hopefully we'll get some answers on the other side. Um, And then this next one is from Red13 underscore who asked, I know you've talked about favorite characters in the different Final Fantasies, but what are your likes and dislikes of NPCs and side villains, i.e. Ultros, Gilgamesh, 
Marl, 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 yeah, Marl. It's really hard to say her name, actually. Marl, Cindy, etc. I'm surprised they didn't call her Marle. Yeah, yeah, like they do everything else, or Malrele. Yeah, it's Mal-Rale. interesting you put Marl in there because I mean I wouldn't have necessarily put her alongside that kind of high tier of NPC based on what I saw in the remake. Well, I guess that's the thing. She is one, though. I mean... She is an NPC, yes. Yeah. And the, the, with the technical definition of the word, mm. she is an NPC. But I would classify, like, Jesse mm. maybe as a higher tier of NPC in the 7 remake. No? She's, like, god-tier NPC. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean... That's the thing, right? I guess I guess you have to just kind of um, take it with a grain of salt as to contributions of NPCs. I mean, I definitely love Avalanche. I love Biggs, Wedge, and Jesse. I think they're really cool. But one NPC that always sticks out to me is Belgamine from Final Fantasy X. I just think she's just so cool. She has such a basic storyline. She was a summoner. Um, spoiler alert, she is an undead summoner unsent unsent summoner she um dies on her pilgrimage um and she or yeah yeah she must die on her pilgrimage um and she helps you train up your uh some your summons in final fantasy 10 and you don't figure out that she's um unsent until the very end of the game essentially um but she just always has this really like sort of strong presence and i just i i've always a strong but very soft presence like it's a strong but calm presence and i just always really liked her and actually that that sort of brings me further into this thinking like i actually really like a lot of the npcs in final fantasy 10 over any other final fantasy really i, I remember them say, yeah. i remember them so much more i remember like um donna donna is awesome she's so great one of the other summoners and then um uh oh is it is it bartho bartholomew that's is that, her guardian is yeah. that her guardian yeah then it's isaru as well yeah isaru the kinder guardians um, <laughs> Yeah, Casco, and, um, and um, what's the what's the people the two women who are with Clasco? Clasco, oh, um, they're the the oh yeah 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 Elma, um, yeah uh, Elma what? Elma, yeah Elma and oh it's on the tip of my tongue, Elma and she's the head of the youth league and um. Final Fantasy Ten too. There's Father Zook as well. Like there's there there's so many NPCs and even the ones that didn't have names, like the old lady. Mm. Stay away from the summoner. Yeah. Like those they had so much sass within that game. A lot of the NPCs were really memorable. And yeah, I'd say Final Fantasy Ten had some great great examples of NPCs. But I think many of the older games had good examples of NPCs because they were there to build out the world. And I think they use the NPCs to build out the world in ways they don't need to within the Lucille. modern games. Lucille, yes. Because in the modern games, they can rely on graphics a lot more for the world building. Mm-hmm. Whereas in the olden games, you had to talk to NPCs to really gain an understanding about like what was going on in the place you're in. You couldn't just look around and see things for yourself. You had to learn from speaking to people. Mm. And... They also use the NPCs a lot more to build out characters, something that they just haven't done for a long time now. Mm-hmm. Like 12, 13, 15, there is almost no character development that comes from interacting with NPCs. Whereas if you think about the older games, like people like Bugenhagen and Dine, uh, Shira, like these NPCs were, they were integral to developing certain characters. Mm-hmm. Like 13, the only person I can think of in that regard is Hope's dad, mm-hmm. who I don't think even has a name. Mm. Maybe just be Hope's dad. Yeah, I don't know. And 15, like the only NPCs really are like Dino and um, I can never remember the the Hurley guy. Oh, uh, Viv. Viv, that's it. Viv. Yeah, like 
There's they, no like development with them. I was like, oh, I was like expecting there to be because like with Dino, he's like this sort of um, uh, like almost like a mafia, like gangster type yeah. of guy. I was expecting him to have a bit where he like ran from the law or something. Um, and like Viv, yeah, I mean, just something, something small. Like none of the NPCs in Final Fantasy 15 had any relation to the characters themselves mm-hmm. other than I think the frog catching lady who had a crush on Gladio or went yeah. on a date with him. I think that's like where, you know, Final Fantasy could probably learn a crap ton from Grand Theft Auto. Like Grand Theft Auto's NPCs are incredible they're probably my favorite npcs of any series like grand theft auto vice city the um missions that you go on there's so much there's all these different storylines that you have from these care these very very minute characters and like there's a beginning and an end and you just feel yeah. like it's it's done. And like some of them you can hang out with like later in the game, like redo missions and stuff, but like pretty much you you just have a beginning and an end. And yeah, like the later games in Final Fantasy don't really have that. And I, I would say that I'm I'm focusing here on 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 kind of side questy characters because mm. obviously Final Fantasy fifteen does have NPCs that are a bit more integrated, like Sid and, and Cindy and and Luna. Like they are obviously technically still but NPCs, even, but even to a degree, I would argue that Cindy doesn't have that much development. No, she's, she's just she's there as a as a proxy of like yeah. her and her and Sid are. I always treat them as one character <laughs> because they they have like combined. They are the quintessential Sid, but as as separate entities, they are not. Mm. And they both offer different elements to to the journey but yeah like cindy is very much kind of more integrated with prompto like there's mm-hmm. that whole thing of like the romance subplot developing with those two and noctis and and sid are there but again it doesn't really go anywhere mm-hmm. like it would have been really nice if some of the npcs you met throughout the world were like members of the Kingsglaive, for example or old friends of uh, the Crown's Guard that mm. Ignis and Gladio knew, just like some people that they would recognize out in the world because it seems like, yeah, sure, they've spent most of their time in insomnia, but as they go out into the wider kingdom, they don't know anyone. Mm-hmm. They like No one knows who they are. And like, how are you supposed to develop the characters on that basis? The only character development is going to come from those four individuals. And the the NPCs like Luna and Ravis and and Cindy and Sid and like the that you interact with on the way, but they don't really interact with them that much. Yeah, and it was the same in thirteen. Like the six characters pretty much were isolated. You had people like Sid Reigns and Jill Nabart, but they were so small in the grand scheme of that game. Yeah, and twelve, I can't really think of too many people that they spoke to like it's like even if you had like one mission with sid like a few missions with sid reigns where you just got to know his character a bit more it would have just added so much more to him to just help you like, know and i who think that's was. what seven did really well the mm. npcs they introduced they were obstacles there were things that needed to be overcome and like the like the shira and sid highwind dynamic when you first see it it's a certain way and by the end there's a resolution to it and that resolution gives you character development for sid Mm. like you have red 13 and bugenhagen the dynamic like you have barrett and dine you learn a lot about barrett's relationship with marlene and what happened in the past as to why barrett is the way he is like those those characters add a lot to the development of those those individuals like Tifa didn't really have one in that regard because she has the close connection with Cloud. And mm-hmm. um, but like Yuffie, like even a side character like Vincent Lucrezia, Lucrezia gave more in seven than I'd say most of the NPCs did in fifteen, and she was only in it as an optional sequence. Yeah. Zach Fair was an NPC who again had a lot of development, yeah. despite the fact he had minimal screen time. But, but then as for the villain side of it, I mean, like, you can't really get that much that much better than Ultros. Ultros was just so funny. He was so great. Um, but, like, 
it's hard because what do you consider like i guess this would be a, a fine line isn't there i guess would this be a villain that uh, an antagonist that isn't related to the main storyline is yeah, that what because, that sort of means i guess technically every villain is an npc yeah in some regard but i guess ultros and gilgamesh they're kind of running jokes that are kind of not they're not technically story bosses mm-hmm. as such like they're never the main villain or anything they're just kind of asides yeah like annoying gnats because i'd say like i've i've always had a, a massive thing for ravis yeah i just really like ravis and it's hard to explain why <laughs> i think i think it's mostly because going back to the versus 13 days i just in my mind ravis is still the same character that had all that potential and mm-hmm. yeah sure it wasn't delivered upon within the game but you can still see what was what was possible mm-hmm. and you can if you like if it's the same it's the same thing that we always all the comments we always get on our origins videos of noctis and arden like we took the time to, to comb through everything and present a coherent story for those two characters and i'd say like every other comment is someone just saying wow i had no idea about any of this mm-hmm. like thank you for actually making this story coherent why yeah. didn't they do this in the game yeah and i'd say ravis is someone who definitely falls into that category yeah there is so much depth to his his story that just isn't there you yeah. have to like dig around for it and join all these dots together to actually understand they don't even play the sequences in the right order in the game <laughs> like it's it's disappointing for him so I, I i've always really liked him as a character i think he was quite strong and his relationship with luna was much better than his relation than luna's relationship with noctis mm-hmm. um but yeah like other npcs i don't know like I think Bugenhagen is good. I think he's got a lot to offer. I'm I'm really interested to see how he's developed in the remake. How are they going to make him into like a little man floating around on a ball? I don't know. <laughs> but the Turks as well, great. Yeah. Yeah. And like I love Reno and Rude. You can't get much better than them. Um, and yeah, I mean, not much more I can say about that. There we go. <laughs> so yeah, we've we've talked. I guess the dislikes. Oh, maybe we've talked dislikes. About in, yeah, we dislikes. talked about dislikes in general. I guess yeah. like fifteen kind of flat across the board. Yeah, most of the the side quest NPCs are a waste of space. No, when they don't have development, it it gets a bit. It feels a bit empty. Like um, even just Arania, like. She she could have been Aranea, sorry. Oh my gosh, I do it so badly. Um, even Aranea in Final Fantasy Fifteen, like she should have had some kind of story in the base game. Yeah. That was like, much She more... would have been the perfect character to have give to, to be a side quest giver. Mm. Like yeah. that would have made sense. You like as you're later on in the story. Like, why does it have to be once you've gone on the Train you can't come back anymore stuff, yeah. and you meet her? Like, it could have been that when you were still in the world map scenario, she's a character that you can meet up with to do quests, and then when you're on the quests, you learn more about her past and maybe she's got some problems she needs to solve. Maybe they could have integrated Biggs and Wedge into it, so you got more stuff around them. Yeah. And and then when you meet her later on, then you have a bit more to her character, but they didn't. And, and same with Iris as well. Like she was another NPC who's kind of a bit of a waste of space because they had the whole thing of like, oh, she really likes Noctis. Oh, Gladio is going to constantly tease Noctis about the fact that Iris really likes him, yeah. even though he knows he's getting married to Luna Freya. So it's kind of pointless. And then it just never goes anywhere because Noctis is just like, you're 12. <laughs> leave me alone please <laughs> i know it's, it's like a really bad version of what they were trying to do in nine with zidane and Ico, mm. where that was just really funny yeah but it was also really heartfelt as well because you know you know what it feels like to be in you know kind of what it's like to be in zidane's position but then you also know what it's like to be in Ico's position where you just as a four-year-old yeah crushing you just can't help like you just you just love someone and you just can't help that you're really young um but yeah 
All right, so the next question is from Quirky, and they wanted to know if we have any theories about what we want for them to create with Final Fantasy 16, or do we think the idea of a complete remake of all games is much more likely? I'm not really... I, I don't know. Like, 16, I mean, I have my theories about who is directing it, but I'm not entirely... not entirely sure, but... As for where they're going to go with it, I mean, who knows? Like, I, I, I don't know. I honestly have zero clue as to where they're going to take the game. Um, I mean, with 15, we were kind of given it because it was just like, here's Noctis. You've already known him because we already had versus 13. So, um... Here he is again. Surprise. Uh, whereas with like 16, we literally have no clue what it's going to be, who's going to be in it, um, who's doing the music for it, who's doing the designs for it. Like there's nothing. So um, and then do I think that there's an idea of a complete remake of all the games? I mean, it probably would be the safest bet. Disney seems to be killing it with uh, their remakes. <laughs> you but know? Disney are also producing original properties too. Yeah, it's true. And I think this is the mistake that Square Enix are making right now mm. in terms of their investment. Because the 7 remake they knew was going to make a return. Mm -hmm. So they invested in that knowing it was going to make a return. There's nothing to say that they like Disney will have multiple studios or multiple divisions, multiple production teams working on those films back to back, knowing that they will deliver. It's not a problem. Mm -hmm. Scronix don't want to take that risk. They're just like, we've got one team, they work on one project. Yeah. And that's it. Like, yeah, th theoretically. You know, someone else within Square Enix is working on Final Fantasy 16. But, you know, why Why would they not, based on how they've seen the remake go now, why not just make the commitment and say, okay, we're going to make a new studio. We're going to invest in a new uh, division that's going to work on the 8 remaster and another one that's going to work on the 9 remaster mm. and another one that's going to work on the 10 remaster because we know that each one of them will make more, way more money back than they ever cost to develop. Yeah, it's just the thing, though, isn't it? It's just, it's so hard. Um, they're, like invest, they're just so scared. They're so scared. Yeah, like invest the money you've just made from the 7 Remake, the amount, the tons of profit that you've made from the 7 Remake into setting up a new studio or a new division to, or a new team to start mm -hmm. working on another. And yeah, you can have like the Remake business division and that's, all that, that's what they do. And then, but... Uh, it's just like the same, like Disney, all the remakes, they've, they're all being done in the, roughly the same style. Mm -hmm. So I guess my want for 16 is that they have pretty much received almost unanimous praise for the seven remake battle system. Mm -hmm. In the olden days of Final Fantasy, like we're, we're kind of looking into it at the moment, the battle system between one and 10-ish, one and nine, there were small changes made every single time. Mm-hmm. But there were generally refinements and tweaks and stuff. And that's what helped to cement the gameplay around it. Like when 10 arrived, yeah, it was a bit of a regression in some regards because it went back to the turn-based system. But it incorporated many of the elements that they'd pro like developed from 4 to 9 yeah. into that to make it a more advanced turn-based system. Yeah, They've got a gameplay system that pretty much everyone liked now. <laughs> yeah. It would make no like it would be the dumbest thing for them to just ignore that and make a new game that has a completely different gameplay system again. So we'd have like 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 15, 7 remake, and then 16. So it's, it would be eight games that have a gameplay system that have almost no relation to each other. Yeah. Yeah. And like there's not really a franchise that's like that, like where they just do a completely different gameplay style for every single game anyway like uncharted is doesn't go from being a third person shooter action adventure to being a puzzle game like or sorry no there is a puzzles frick that was the wrong one that was a spin-off cooking mama simulation yeah, or a first person game. shooter like 
Yeah, like they haven't. You have they, experimentations like Gears yeah. just did Gears Tactics, but the main series is still going to be roughly the same gameplay style. And that gameplay style is different to Uncharted. Mm-hmm. It's a third person shooter. They found their own take on it. Mm-hmm. And Final Fantasy was like that for a, well over a decade. The mm-hmm. gameplay system was roughly the same with evolutions each time to make it modern and to make it fun and exciting. And there were tweaks. And then they were just like, now we're going to change everything every single time. Every yeah. single time. Yeah, and it's just it's just really ruined them. Like, because they just are so focused on trying to be innovative, but it's cost them a it's lot of their ma- identity. I think it's also the fact there's too many cooks. Like, mm. Ito was in charge of the gameplay systems for a very long time. Mm-hmm. And for him, the next evolution was the Final Fantasy twelve system. Mm-hmm. So then if he'd have carried on being in charge, then they would have probably stuck with that and refined it and made it better. Mm-hmm. They didn't. They went to someone else. And like, so what we said after 15, I would have been happy for the next games to, f- to work on 15's combat system and improve it and refine it. But now they've done the 7 remake with again a completely different gameplay style. They now, ha- this is the one that's done better. So they, yeah. should, they should use this as the base. Although to a degree, I would say that the Final Fantasy 7 remake is an upgrade of the Final Fantasy 15 system because... Only because they were able to figure out how to organize the party member changing system now. Yeah, but I think if you went back and played 15, mm-hmm. it would be... It's almost like 15 was like the rough draft. Very, very rough draft. <laughs> very rough draft of Final Fantasy VII remakes. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think the system in in seven is is really fluid and I I really like it a lot. Um, so I would be happy for them to continue with that. But yeah, I mean, we talk about this a lot, but Square Enix, it it really needs some organization, but the trouble with it is the fact that they're going to have to suck it up and break a few eggs before they can get to the point where they feel comfortable. Yeah. Because like, take some risks. If they, if they turned around and said, yeah, you're going to get an eight remaster, a nine remaster and a 10 remaster. Uh, or remake sorry and they're all going to use roughly the same gameplay systems as the seven remake but with tweaks and modifications i'd be like yeah like Mm -hmm. i when i was playing through the seven remake all i could think about was how freaking cool would final fantasy 10 be like in this gameplay style that would be so cool but then I guess that's the thing as well is that like they can't just leave it alone there it's like a scab like they just feel like Okay, we're going to do this remake for people, but we're going to change it because we just can't help. We just need it needs to be different because that's what fans are expecting or maybe that's what we need to do. Like we just need to change it. So they changed the ending and made it all weird. Um but Yeah, I but, think it's like with with the with the franchises, they ultimately need to say cuz we know what's going to happen, right? Final Fantasy 16 if it's in development or when it comes, it's going to be developed by a team that is not the same team that's working on the remake. Mm-hmm. So therefore, there's going to be completely different creatives working on it and they're going to do their own thing. So the chances are they're going to pretty much ignore what's happened with the 7 remake and just come up with their own gameplay system that they think is the best one, mm-hmm. even though they work for the same company and probably are in the same office. Yeah. Whereas they should have, like in the olden days, someone at the top that basically says, this is how the gameplay is done in a Final Fantasy game. Yeah. No matter what. And if you want to do a spin-off, like Tactics, fine. You can come up with something new and original and you can experiment there. But this is the core gameplay that we work with in a Final Fantasy game. Mm. But that doesn't happen at the moment. There's no one at the top that basically... There's supposed to be like a Hashimoto and I guess Guitarze now who are like the Final Fantasy ambassadors. But in reality, like there's there's no control. I mean, like they kind of did that with Kingdom Hearts. Like, they had the little handheld games and stuff to be like, this is our experimenting with gameplay. This is our, like, fun stuff. You know, you see a little bits of what they learned from that in the Kingdom Hearts 3. Yeah, but um, then the, the difference between Kingdom Hearts 3 and 2 is so big because mm, of how long it took. Yeah, it's very true. And also, I mean, the spin-off games for uh, Final Fantasy series the thing that would drive me absolutely mad is that the storyline should not be connected, which like with Kingdom Hearts, it was hard because I didn't want to play the handheld games. And then 
Uh, yeah, uh, but that's a whole another thing. But that's kind of like what they did, and like that that would have been fine if they had done that with Final Fantasy. Um, well, they kind of did in the like the compilation. All, yeah, every single game in the compilation has a different gameplay style. Yeah, it's true. And if you wanna, if you want to experience the whole story, you've got to go through like Crisis Core's kind of action gameplay style, which is still kind of not weird. Uh, you've got Dodger Cerberus, yeah. completely different gameplay style. Before Crisis is a completely different gameplay style. So basically, just use the shells of the character, say it's not canon to the main story, and just have fun. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. That way we'll all be happy. But yeah, so we have no clue, but... Um, whatever they do they need to make sure it's consistent yeah that's the main thing consistency that's what anyone always says about anything you have to be consistent unless you're michelle visage in which case it's versatility daryl's yeah first well no consistent versatility consistent versatility they want to see consistently good yeah but different they want to see you staying true to your values Mm. while being versatile yeah Okay, Boris Johnson. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, okay. So this next one is from Summoner142, who asks, what summon are you most excited to see in future installments of the Final Fantasy VII Remake? Right. On three. One, two, three. Knights of the Round. You didn't say anything. <laughs> I couldn't think of one because I was thinking like Bahamut, but Bahamut is kind of in it. Okay, well, I, I said Knights of the Round. I said Knights of that, actually, because you didn't say anything. Um, but technically, so I had this discussion with someone because I said in our recent video that Bahamut wasn't a powerful summon in the original game, and they disagreed. Mm. And I said, well, do you not remember Bahamut Neo? Mm. Bahamut Zero? Mm. You know? Yeah, there's like a lot of different Bahamuts. There's lots of different Bahamuts, and we still haven't seen either of those yet. So technically, you could pick one of those. I could do, because, yeah, I mean, like that would be pretty cool. But to be fair, I didn't really use summons in Final Fantasy Seven. No, I mean Knights of the Round is obviously the the all that is powerful like the ultimate summon. One, yeah. The other one, I I mean Knights of the Round is like the easy answer. I think the summon I'm probably the most excited to see is Odin, mm. because I want to see how they're going to get him in mechanically. Like well, Santetsukan uh, is the whole thing. Uh, you say that though. <laughs> what about Alexander? <laughs> I think Alexander will be okay because... It's going to be a giant castle stomping on people. It, no, well, they'll probably have him at the side of the map somewhere. You like think they'll, so? they'll, Yeah, I think they'll kind of... Because in like nine and stuff, they usually have a, they usually have Alexander to the side. Mm. I, I don't know. I mean, like, I haven't seen how Leviathan works in gameplay. Mm. But Leviathan as a summon in the 7 Remake is huge. He's like, yeah. I'd imagine it'd be quite similar to that. But, but yeah, yeah, like I think Odin is the one I, I'm probably the most excited to see mm. just from a visual perspective, but also just how they're going to make his mechanics work. I think Phoenix would be fun to see as well. That's going to be pretty. And um, Hades should be quite fun as well. But uh, Hades in his cauldron. Yeah, you know. But yeah, I think the Bahamuts are going to be really cool. This next one is from Mr. Han, who asks, do you think the final battle will include Sephiroth's Supernova Southern? I have no idea. <laughs> Genuinely no idea. Do you think that the final battle will include Sephiroth? <laughs> I have no idea. I have genuinely no idea. <laughs> it's going to be my answer to everything around the second remake. No idea. Generally no idea. I think they'll it fits Supernova in at some point. They have to. Mm. But who knows what it's going to be like. They may make it more of a story element this time. Yeah. I have no clue. I just, I hope they don't put that whole thing of like um, learning the enemy. Well, they probably would do with that random like undead phantom thingy that you go past during um, when you're going into the northern crater at the very end. The enemy skill where you can, it's the glitched enemy skill. That random one. Yeah. That's going to be really annoying. But, yeah. Yeah, I think yeah, also no we can give the same answer to roughly to Benny's question. He asked, do you think all the weapon fights will be in later installments of the 7 Remake? I, I don't know. <laughs> Generally don't know. Um, I, I hope I, so. Yeah, I, I think they... It's it's hard to tell because with the story, I don't know. Like, mm-hmm. there's... 
they could make up a lot of new weapons. Mm. They could bring back the old ones. It's gonna be. I, I mean, like they've got to have some like super powerful bosses at some point because I think the seven remake first part was a bit lackluster in terms of super bosses. I wasn't. There wasn't really one that I would consider a super boss. Mm-hmm. Pride and Joys is obviously the quintessential one that they want to position as that, but yeah, compared to some of the other fights in the game, it wasn't that difficult. Mm-hmm. So. I'd like to think that they will. I think they have to, really. Yeah. But also, like, what was with the interview we were just reading the other day from Game Informer, where they were talking about how a lot of the elements that they would have considered quintessential, they weren't planning on putting in. Mm. What was that about? I can't remember the exact quote. I think it was from Hamaguchi, but they were talking about how they developed things out and oh yeah the squat challenge oh yeah like they uh, like a lot of a lot of elements that you'd like as fans you would consider to be like this is really like part of the experience yeah the kind of the higher ups that were working on the seven remake just weren't going to put in and the way they did it was that they had individual creators working on each of the different elements and most of those people were younger staff members who had played the original game or I guess older staff members who played the original games, they basically had played the original game. And so it was kind of reliant on what the person who was working on that section remembered from the original and thought was important to include. So the only reason they've got the squat challenges there is because the person who was working on that segment thought, we really have to put this in here, otherwise the fans will be like, where is the squat challenge? Yeah. But yeah, like his superiors didn't think about including it before that was raised which is just ridiculous because yeah like i mean if they didn't include something like the squat challenge i think people would have revolted yeah but you know i think the weapons are a pretty integral part of the seven original story agreed and they've said they're going to be consistent to the seven original story and let's hold them to the ultimate weapon is part of the story yeah so and also Sapphire as part of the story and Diamond mm. as part of the story. It's only Emerald and Ruby that aren't. Yeah. So you'd like to think that they will be in there at some point. Okay, so this next one is from Simo, who asks, do you foresee DLC releases for Final Fantasy VII Remake? And if so, what would you want or not want? I do foresee DL releases within the Seven Remake. What I want is for them to be not story-based i think that would be a a mistake unless they can do it really well which i don't really trust square enix with to be (laughs) honest i think putting like more coliseum battles more vr missions like cosmetic changes like those kind of things would be much more appealing to people yeah but story episodes i don't know like obviously i'm not the creator in the game i don't i'm not in their mind so i don't really know what they could do Mm-hmm. But there's nothing that necessarily sticks out to me at the moment as an omission. I think like a I think like a Coliseum type thing would be fun. I mean, like having just randomly like Gilgamesh around because like I know he's not in the game, but like a Gilgamesh battle would be pretty fun. Yeah, um, it'd be a nice weapons. A nice ode. Like maybe like silly weapons to do. I. I mean, no. like, those kind of things are already, like, they had them as DLC from the pre-orders and stuff anyway, so yeah. it's kind of par for the course, and I think people wouldn't be too bothered by it. I think, if from a story perspective, if they wanted to do it in a good way, you could have, like, more um, more development for, like, Leslie or Kyrie mm-hmm. or Johnny, like, Don Corneo maybe, like kind of the ancillary characters who were in there and introduced but you didn't really get to spend too much time with mm-hmm. and obviously leslie had uh, pretty much a chapter dedicated to him like mm-hmm. getting to know him a little bit but again it wasn't really too much of a resolution yeah i think like he was probably if we're talking about npcs that actually have some some kind of growth in that regard he's probably one of the better ones from the seven remake because yeah. you do get to learn about him and see a bit of development but then he just disappears and you assume again yeah so i think he would be like one that would be good to good to work with in kiri as well because she, her like her whole segment was very one-dimensional mm-hmm. there wasn't any development for her at all so 
Yeah, I think like if they were going to do DLC for characters, I would probably want to see more things about like building those characters out so you get a chance to learn more about them and it wouldn't feel like you have to play those segments to to make sure you're getting the full experience, if that makes sense. Like not like Final Fantasy 15 where it's like, "Oh, here's the stuff that was cut from the game. Mm-hmm. You got to pay for it now." Womp womp. Yeah. <laughs> and our last question is from Moogle890, who says, if you could pick another Final Fantasy game to get more media expansion, like Seven did with the compilation, which would you pick? I mean, well, 10 is kind of the given because, I mean, I've wanted a prequel for ages. Can we just say 10. We'll just, we'll just ignore all of the stuff they've currently done. I know. Like, like the audio drama and the novel and just say, let's just redact that. Yeah. Let's try and do it again. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think the pre- a prequel would be pretty cool. But I also would love to see a um, a prequel for Final Fantasy VIII because I think there's a lot of stuff there with Laguna and the summoner, the summoner, the sorceress war. <laughs> Wrong S. And um, I think it would be pretty cool to see like Adele trashing everything and being a horrible beast of a sorceress. <laughs> I was going to say woman, but I don't know if she is a woman. Is she a woman? I think so. I don't know. But She's either a sorceress. Way, yeah, she is a sorceress. Either way, I would love to see that. Um, other than that, I mean, a lot of the games are quite like, clear cut it's like it's that hard thing where you just sort of think like well that was pretty much done so what else could they have what else could they have expanded the only things i guess they could really do would be like final fantasy 5 where they had the anime and it was set like two generations after Mm -hmm. so there are similarities with the world so let's say they did like final fantasy 8 or or 9 even and you get to see what the world's like in a hundred years' time. Because especially nine, I think, they had a lot of stuff put into there that talked about the backstory. Mm-hmm. So you like you hear about the different SIDs that and there's like all the different stuff about the conflicts between Alexandria and Limblum and how they developed all the technology, different different time frames. Yeah. And like all the historical stuff with the planets. Like nine, you didn't really get to see what happened after everything. So, like, that would be a cool game to look at in, like, 100, 200 years' time and just to see, like, what state the world is in. And then you'd obviously get to see, like, small callbacks and odes to what happened in the past and maybe, like, Zidane and Garnett and, like, Steiner and stuff are heralded as heroes and instead of seeing statues of, like, the pre, like, Sid Fable the ninth or 8th or whatever, you'll get to see a statue of, like, Queen Garnett in Mm. in alexandria and you'll get to see like little things about like oh yeah you know like they did this thing like way back when and they were great heroes of the past and because that's not something they've ever really done Mm -hmm. they've never really like 10 t is obviously the only sequel we've we've really had in that regard Mm. like apart from 13 ones 13 yeah but but 13 was different from 10-2 in the sense that 10-2, you went back and it was the same world. You just got to see how it had evolved based on the conflict. Whereas 13-2 and Lightning Returns, it was you were going to all new places every single yeah. time. Like there wasn't really too much that was similar, I don't think. Like Lightning Returns, I don't think there's any of the s- same locations from yeah. either of the previous two games. Like. There's no going to Eden again, for example. Like you, um, you do go to. I can't even remember the the place where they like lightning lives. That's bad. Mm. Russia? No, that's the lake. Um, but like ten two, they literally just go back to the same places. You like you go back to Makalani, you go back to Besage. Like it's the same place, but there's small differences. I think it would be pretty cool to do a game from another another point of view, like. You see, you see bits of Cipher in Final Fantasy VIII, but you don't actually see his full story. Like, I think it would be pretty cool to just have a game that just followed him through the events of Final Fantasy VIII and how he sort of went from place to place. Or you could do an absolute piss take and do one uh, on Biggs and Wedge. 
like just Biggs and Wedge. The adventures of Biggs and Wedge. The adventures of Biggs and Wedge throughout Final Fantasy history. <laughs> um, I think that would be really fun. It's like the first game in Final Fantasy VI. It's just like, oh, we, we're dead. Whoops. Okay. Uh, that wasn't very fun. And then Final Fantasy VII. <laughs> yeah. We're dead again. Okay. Um, Final Fantasy VIII. Oh, oh, we're villains this time. Oh, crap. Oh, we're dead again. Um, like, I just would love that. Because Biggs and Wedge are fantastic in Final Fantasy VIII, especially. I can't remember what they are in Final Fantasy IX. I know in Final Fantasy X, they're guards for uh, Luca Blitzball. So they kind of took a, took a back seat. And uh, 12, they're, they're soldiers as well. Mm. 13. Were they in 13? They're in Lightning Returns, definitely. I don't know. Mm. And then fifteen there. Think about it off the top of my head. Fifteen there, um, Irenaeus, little minions, minions. But yeah, no, I think the adventures of Biggs and Wedge, do it, do it now. And that is the end of our questions, Lauren. <gasps> the end. Hopefully, you guys enjoyed all our ramblings. Mm. Definitely got heated there about the the NPCs question. Yeah, it went on for a while. We have a lot of hatred towards fifteen NPCs, apparently. Well, we also have a lot of love for NPCs of the past. Of the past, yes, but yeah. not the future. Mm. Well, I mean, 7 Remake did NPCs pretty well. It did some well, mm. and some not so well. I mean, I cried when... When you when saw just, Marl. Yeah. yeah. When you saw Marl again, you, you, you're so emotionally caught up, and, and Weimar as well, right? Yeah. Yeah. You were exactly. so happy to see Weimer crawl out of the uh, of the secret passage. Yeah, with his uh, like sprayed on beard. Yeah, sure. <laughs> but yeah, um, I you hope do you love the Shinra karaoke singer though. Oh my gosh, he's brilliant! Gonna Midgar, be the next big thing. Oh Midgar, <laughs> so cute! Oh bless him and his little heart. I've been signed on to Shinra Records for the last seven years. Just waiting for my big break. Oh, you're going to get it one day, baby. You're going to get it. Oh, I hope in the next part that they have him on the radio just to... Making it, yeah, making it big. Making it big. I think that would be a great, that would be a great reference to him. Just wait. Square Enix are listening to the show. They're going to send that off to Kataze, who's been waiting for all these fan theories and ideas, and they're going to put it in. It could be like the I'm free, I'm free guy from uh, Hunchback and Itch Dumb. He goes, I'm free, I'm free, dang it. And he gets caught in some other trap. It's just this old guy who's just really unlucky. Thank you. But yeah, there should be something like that. There should always be something like that. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, so uh, next episode scheduled to come out on the 9th of June. Don't know what we're going to talk about at this point, but we will talk about something. Hmm. That is a guarantee. <laughs> Until then, be sure to check out all our news coverage at FinalFantasyUnion.com. And if you really enjoy what we do, why not check out our Patreon at Patreon.com forward slash FFKHUnion. All right, guys, it's time for us to say goodbye. Bye. And I'm Daryl saying goodbye. This has been a FinalFantasyUnion.com production. <laughs>